Well, turn to somebody and say, welcome to March. Where did spring happen? It's supposed to be spring, right? March is the beginning of spring. Somebody forgot to tell Texas that, and uh, winter showed up, but it's all right. We'll, we'll keep doing our thing, amen, and uh, so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad the weather didn't keep you away, and uh, I'm glad you're here. You made it through all the crazy Texas drivers, and uh, you survived the interstate or the side roads or wherever, and you're here, so I appreciate you being here, amen. This morning, we are going to start a, um, for the month of March, uh, we're going to start a new series, uh, Tell the World. Look at somebody and say, Tell the World. Tell the World. Uh, man, um, how many of you growing up had a best friend? Somebody that you were just, as they, as they say, thick as thieves with? I mean, that was your, that was your, back then, back when I was a kid, we didn't call them BFFs, um, we just called them best friends, imagine that. Um, <laughs> but uh, the one thing about, about friends are sometimes you tend to have secrets, right? You have, you have these secrets between you and your friend that, that you don't, um, you know, you, you, how many of you got excited when your friend came up to you and said, hey, I got something to tell you. Like, oh, really? Okay, let's go over here and whisper it to me. And it'll just be between me and you, and we'll keep this secret, right? You got all excited, and you were pumped because you knew something that somebody else didn't. How exciting was that, right? Because people generally are... I guess concerned, not concerned, people are generally interested in knowing other people's secrets but keeping their secrets from other people, right? Speaking in general terms here, okay? Which, to me, when you break that down, it sounds a little hypocritic, hypo hip hip hypocrite. Well, I just made up like three words in one breath. That was impressive. Um, wow. Hypocrisy, there we go, that's what I was trying to so eloquently get out. But um, we like secrets, unless there are secrets, and then we don't like our secrets to get out so much, right? Turn to somebody and tell them secrets. You ever play that game where you get like 10 people, 20 people, and the first person tells the another one this, like, you know, Something, and then by the time it gets all the way to the end of the line, it's not even close to what it was supposed to be, right? We've all played that game, um, and that's all really happened in our life at some point <laughs> without it being a game. Um, but uh, so humanity is, has this idea of uh, wanting to know something that somebody else doesn't know, you know, and our friends, the disciples, were no different. Okay? They were the same way. And because we find that after the resurrection of Jesus, that he's spending time with them and, and they're all hanging out and he's teaching and he's instructing and he's talking to them. And they, they stood 
right before his ascension, and they started asking questions. And we find this in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 tells us that, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And they wanted to know. They wanted to know something that nobody else knew. Tell us, and then if you give us permission, we'll tell the world. But just tell us first. Let us be the cool kids, and let us know the secret first. Like, I, I, tell me, Lord. And I like how I like what Jesus says in the next verse. Jesus, in verse 7, says, and he said to them, <laughs> It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Jesus is like, I ain't telling you that secret. That's my secret, and I ain't telling you that secret. You know why? Because Jesus is real good at keeping secrets. And you know what? I'll stop right here and say this. If you've never just poured out the secrets of your life to him, then I'll tell you, there's nobody you can trust more than the Lord to pour your heart out. Amen. You can go to him and you can tell him all those. You can open. We all, you know, you've heard the, you've heard the saying, you know, uh, skeletons in the closet. You can go open the closet full of skeletons and dump all those skeletons out. And you can pour all your deepest, darkest secrets out to him. And you know what? I promise you, I guarantee you, I'll put my life on the line, is he'll never tell a soul. You can trust him. And so if you've never, if you've never experienced, if you've never met somebody that you can truly pour everything out to, you can tell the Lord. You can pour everything out to him. That's what prayer is all about. Prayer is not just about uh, talking to him. It's about pouring out. It's about emptying ourselves uh, of everything that binds us and that holds us so that he can fill us and he can touch us and he can mend us and heal us and all the things that we need in our life. Man, and so if you ever needed somebody to tell all your deepest, darkest secrets to, you can tell the Lord. Because I promise you, he'll keep the secrets. And then he'll take your secrets and he'll file them away somewhere. And then he'll start working in your life. And, and those things that are skeletons, those will go away. And he'll start healing things. And he'll start delivering things. And he'll start rearranging things. As we pour out, he pours in. And, and then we empty ourselves of us. And we start getting full of him. And the more we start getting full of him, we're stronger and we're wiser. And, and, and we start being led by the Spirit as we're being filled by the spirit. Amen. And so the more I pour out, he pours in, but I've got to first pour out. Amen. So don't keep all that stuff inside. Don't hold it all to yourself. That's what your enemy wants. Your enemy wants you to lock it up and, and, and put a padlock on it and never tell the Lord. And the Lord's just simply like a gentleman knocking. He's saying, hey, if you'll open up, I'll pour into you, and I'll show you things, and I'll bring about things in your life that you only dreamed of, but I first, you've got to open the door and pour out. Amen. And so the, the, the disciples were trying to get the Lord to, to tell them a secret. He said, he said, the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, I'm not telling you. It's not for you to know. Amen. And still, to an extent, he still hasn't told that secret. That's why I know he's 
Have you ever known the Lord to keep secrets about your life? I didn't realize this, but in, the, in getting in receiving the call to come here to plant this church, I realized that the Lord keeps secrets in our lives. Because for years, and I've told this story before, uh, when we were student pastors in East Texas, we would drive right down I-20 going from uh, East Texas out to Midland, Odessa, Texas to see my in-laws. And we'd drive right through here. For six years, we'd drive through here, going there and coming back. And every time we would drive through, I don't, we didn't realize it then, but it was the Lord dropping these little things in our life. And we would be like, man, Weatherford, this area, Weatherford is really growing. And we would watch it over six years, and, and, and it just kept growing. And we are like, man, this would be a great place for a church. And, and uh, you know, I wonder if there's a church here. I wonder what kind of churches are here. And we'd have all these conversations about this area, and the Lord was keeping a secret. Because he was going, yep, yep, keep asking those questions. Keep at because you don't know it, but you're the answer, <laughs> you know, and I didn't realize it, <laughs> and but he was keeping a secret then to reveal something more powerful and direct in my life later, and so, but that takes trust, right? You, that takes trust. I've got to trust him enough that if he keeps a secret, you know what? I'm not going to get upset. I'm just going to trust him and understand that he knows my way better than I know my way because he knows my heart better than I know my heart. And he's got a future laid out for me and he's got a plan laid out for me. And the same is true for you wherever you're at today. If you'll just trust him with your life, even though sometimes he keeps secrets, just trust him anyways. Amen. That's what the whole thing about the in the, in the scripture says, walk by what? Faith and not by sight. You know what that is? Okay, Lord, I know you're keeping secrets about my life, and I know you're not revealing everything because I would mess it all up if you revealed everything about my life. And so I'm going to trust you in keeping secrets, and I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to just stay connected to the vine. And where you go, I'll go because I know that you will never fail me. Amen? And so we've got to understand that that it's it's a blind faith. It's a blind trust, understanding I don't have to see it to believe it because I know if I'll trust him, he'll bring it to pass in my life. You know why I can say that? Because without a surety, 100% of the time, he has always come through for me. Amen. I don't know about you, but I know this guy, Tim Dunn, can stand here for me and my family. He has never, ever failed us. Can anybody testify to that? If you can, give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. Amen. So the disciples are asking him, okay, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, I'm not going to tell you that secret. He says, but in verse 8, I do want you to do something. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. He said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus wasn't given up that secret. In fact, Jesus is, is, is telling them. You see, what they wanted to know is they wanted to find out if he was going to restore the earthly kingdom of, of, of Israel. But what he was going to do was bring about a releasing of a heavenly kingdom. 
You see? Because sometimes we're asking the wrong question. We ask what we see. Lord, you must be going away to establish, uh, to restore the kingdom. No, he wasn't restoring the kingdom of Israel at that point. He was releasing the kingdom of heaven to come here on earth and to dwell in us. That's what he was doing. But they didn't understand that. They didn't know that. He said, he said I'm not going to give that away, but I want you guys to go to Jerusalem, and, you're, and you, there's going to be something released into your life. And when it is released into your life, you're going to receive a power like no other power. And so he tells them, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses. So instead of telling them a secret, he says, I want you to go trust me. I want you to go wait. And then in Acts chapter 2, so they go to Jerusalem, and they wait, and they start praying. And there are about 120 of them gather in this upper room in Jerusalem, and they start praying and waiting and trusting. They don't know what's going to happen, but they know there's, there's some prophecy. The book of Joel speaks about a prophecy. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then so they know that, and then they know that he told them to go to Jerusalem, and they know that he says you're going to receive power. And so they're trying to put all these pieces together, but they're just going, and isn't that like our life? We've got this piece here and, and this piece here and what he's given us here, and we're, and, and we're just trying to figure out what's going to happen next, and we're trying to put the pieces together, and, and, but we know that he's still in control, and at some, time we, at some point we just have to say, okay, Lord, I just trust you. And then he brings about something that happens in our life that is unbelievable and undeniable. And that's what happens in Acts chapter 2. So they're there, and they're waiting, and they're praying. And then Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, And then when the day, the feast of Pentecost, because the day of Pentecost didn't happen because of this instance. The day of Pentecost was a feast, a celebration. It was 50 days after his resurrection is what it was. And so when the day of Pentecost came, they, had, they were all there. So they were there. They were all there the morning of the Feast of Pentecost. Okay, 50 days after his resurrection. And suddenly, suddenly, suddenly there came a, a, from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Now, if you're there and you're waiting and you're praying and you're waiting and you're praying, and all of a sudden something moves in the room, Imagine for those that had not followed him on a regular basis, like the original 11, that, that there, it could have been a little disconcerting, right? You, you could have, uh, what's going on? But he says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the disciples had asked Jesus, about the kingdom of Israel. They wanted to know. But what happened in the upper room in Jerusalem was not the restoration of an earthly kingdom. It was the manifestation of the kingdom of God come to earth. Amen. And there was something established in that upper room that day. There was something established and, and released in that room in Jerusalem that day that was going to change the world. 
Amen. There was something that took place. And so on about 120 people that were gathered in that room came the revealing and infilling of the power that Jesus spoke about in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Then, so you've got this commotion going on in the upper room. And people are praying and it's going on and people are speaking in different languages and all this stuff is going on in this upper room and people started noticing, well, what's, what's going on? What's happening? They're walking around, hey, 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 what's going on up there? And, and, and they started asking questions. They started inquiring what's happening in that room. Something that is not normal is happening up there. And then what was happening up there began to flow out of there. And as the disciples came out, they're standing among the people and they hear what's happening. They think they're drunk on new wine. Man, they must have caught a vineyard that we didn't know about. And Peter stood up and he says, okay, let me clarify. And in verse 14, Peter says, standing with the eleven, he lifted up his voice and he addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. He said, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. You know what Peter was doing? He was doing what somebody at some point in their life, has done with one of your secrets. He was letting the cat out of the bag. Right? Have you ever told somebody a secret, and then it got back to you from the person you didn't tell, and you're like, how did you know that? That was supposed to be told to just one person. Well, somebody let the cat out of the bag. What Peter said, what Peter was doing, he was letting the cat out of the bag because Peter understood this isn't just for 120 people. What happened here isn't, isn't meant for just 120 people. What happened here isn't even meant for just the Jewish nation. What happened in this room is something for the entire world because it's going to change humanity. It's going to change everything if we can tell everybody. And so Peter stood and he, and he, and he let the cat out of the bag and he, and he told him because he, he felt the urging of the Holy Spirit to tell everyone that would listen about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, what happens is this. You're, the enemy wants you, wants us to take this gift called the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. It's the same thing. King James Version call it, calls it a ghost. Other versions calls it the Spirit. It's the same thing. So whether you say Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, talking about the same Spirit, okay? So I don't want to make sure there's no confusion, okay? Uh, it depends on what Bible you were raised on. <laughs> and so uh, Peter, what the enemy wants to do is he wants us to take this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he wants us to take it back here and find a treasure chest and open the treasure chest and put it in the treasure chest and close it. The greatest thing that could have happened for the enemy was that the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit stayed in the upper room. 
The moment that door opened and those disciples and those 120 started coming out of the upper room and walking through the streets, that's when the enemy's camp got all scared and nervous. Why? Because what had happened in the upper room was now happening in the streets. And that's the last thing he wants. You know why? Because he has no power to control the Holy Spirit in your life. And the last thing he wants is for you to catch a little bit of Holy Spirit contagiousness and start spreading the news. He don't want you to tell the world. He wants you to take your little experience and put it in a treasure chest somewhere and bury it in the backyard. You know why? Because you're just one person, and we're just uh, 30, 40 people here today. And if all we do is just let it be us four and no more, okay, he, he's, that he can control that damage. He's okay with that. He, he, it's all right. You see, but what he don't want to happen, he don't want to happen what he, what had happened was, um, I need the Holy Ghost to help my talking. What he doesn't want to happen is for what is happening in here to get out of here. He wants to keep it here. He wants us to treasure it and not tell anybody. He wants to treat it like a secret. And oh, let's. And, and so you see, because his power can still roam free throughout Weatherford and Parker County if we keep a secret of the Holy Ghost wrapped up in, in a treasure. But his, because the problem is this he knows that if this thing starts flowing out of here and it starts flowing out of you and it starts flowing out of your home and out of your kids and out of your family and it starts flowing through your neighborhood and through your through the streets of the city and it starts uh, affecting people and changing people it's going to change what people treasure and they're going to start treasuring the power of his spirit more than they're treasuring the anything that's earthly and that disrupts his plan and that messes up what he wants to do because when when the holy spirit starts flowing the bible tells me where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom and there is liberty. And so when it begins to flow, it changes. And, and chains start falling off. And, and bondage starts breaking. And people that are bound by fear and depression and alcohol and drugs and a lifestyle of bondage begin to get set free. And they understand that I don't have to live this way. I can live with the power of the Holy Ghost. And I can live with the freedom and the liberty of the baptism of His Spirit. And it changes people. And that's the last thing the enemy wants. And so his best thing, his best deal is to lock that door so that nothing that happens in here can flow out of here. But the Lord, I feel the Lord, I feel like Peter today. We need to stand in the streets and tell them, hey, what you see happen here is for you and for anybody that will come to the Lord and open their life and receive it. The enemy, he wants us to treat it like a secret. Put it in a treasure box. Bury it in the backyard. Because it's okay if it changed you. Okay, I can deal with that. I lost you. I can deal with that. But I don't want it changing your neighbors. 
I don't want it changing your family members. I don't want it changing the people down the street. I've had them for years and years and years. I've held them captive. I've held them bound. And if this thing gets out, it's going to mess my plan up. It's going to mess my strategy up. Amen. You know why? Because it messed his strategy up with you that are sitting here today. Amen. Because I say, let me, I'm, he's going to get on to me. Trey, come here. If, look at him. He's giving me that look that my dad used to give me. Like, it's all right right now. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you, if you don't know this guy, what God has done in his life, I, I didn't know him before he experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I didn't need to know him. You know why? Because I've spent a little bit of time with him, and he's told me a story. And, and, it, and it, it sounds familiar in other stories that I've heard. There's bondage, and there's mistakes, and there's things. And, and the enemy had this, had this guy wrapped up. He had him bound up. And I'm sure there was times that he could tell you that there, the, the, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. It just seemed all dark. But the Lord came into his life. And there was a moment where he emptied himself out enough to where the Lord could, would baptize him with the power of of the Holy Ghost. You see, and in that moment, it wasn't, it wasn't an overnight change, but there was a changing that took place on the inside of this man. And if you've never spent time with him and his lovely wife, Angie, I want you to come here. And she's really going to get on to me because they don't like this. If you've ever spent any time with this, with this couple, man, they'll tell you they're not perfect. But you know what? They're far better, they're far, far better than they were before they experienced the power of the baptism of his spirit in their life. I mean, because there was bondage and there was fear and there was pain. And when it come, when his power came into their life, there was something that changed. And I want Roy and Sharon to step out. I want you to come up here because they're another example of what the Holy Ghost can do in your life. That what the power of his spirit can bring about. There was so much pain, not in just their life, but in this relationship right here. The enemy had, had won. He thought just like when he was rejoicing, when Jesus died on the cross and he was buried and he was there for Friday night and Saturday, the enemy was throwing a party. Hey, I've won, I've won, I've won. And the enemy's thrown a party at some point in their life. In this relationship right here, he was throwing a party. He said, I've defeated, I've destroyed that, that, that relationship and that marriage so much, it'll never be healed. But the Lord said, no, 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 no. You see, because I'm not finished. And the power of the Holy Spirit began to operate and begin to move. And it touched him and it began to flow, and then it started changing him. And, well, I don't believe it. I don't believe it because she was here, and he was in Houston. And, and I, hey, I've changed. I oh, know you haven't. You're the same old Roy. I've changed. I've changed. And the enemy's whispering, no, keep this a secret. Keep this a secret. Uh, don't, don't, don't let this out. She's not going to believe you. She's not going to trust you. You've burned those bridges, and, and the enemy's telling us, 
keep it a secret. They're not, they're going to think you're crazy. What? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what is speaking in other languages? What? Are you crazy? The, the people of Weatherford don't need that. They're not going to believe it. And the enemy whispers in our ear, keep it a secret, keep it a secret. But the Lord's telling you, no, we need to tell the world. You know why? Because the freedom and the power that is represented in this building needs to flow out of this building. It needs to flow out of our lives. It needs to flow out of our homes and out of our businesses and out of our jobs. Amen. You guys can be seated now. Thank you. (laughs) I don't want to keep it a secret anymore. You know why? Because I've experienced the changing, the life-changing power of the Spirit. But you see, before it could flow into the streets of Jerusalem, it had to rush through the upper room. And I feel an urging today. Because let me tell you this, through this series, we're going we're gonna to talk about we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit is and its operation in our life. Amen. And I want you to understand this. There are things that God wants to do in your life. There are things that God wants to birth and make alive in your life. The Bible calls it a quickening. And that word quickening, and you're going to hear me preach about it, For the next several weeks, that word quickening simply means to make alive. There are things that God wants to quicken in your life. He wants to breathe life into it just the same way he breathed life into Adam and Eve. He wants to breathe life into it, but they can only happen and they will only ever happen if you have been filled and baptized by the Holy Spirit. Because as I'm going to define in the next few weeks, the hovering or the fulfillment or the infilling of the Holy Spirit is what brings about a quickening. And so if if you've never been experienced what it's like to what, what they experienced in that upper room and what it feels like and, and, and to be baptized by his spirit, then that needs to happen in your life because once the baptism of his spirit takes place in your life, then God can breathe life into the things that he wants to bring about in your life and you'll see some things come about and you'll see some things begin to happen but only when only when there's a baptism only when amen and so my urging today is that what happened in that upper room in Jerusalem happens in this place. It's imperative because it has to happen here before we can allow it to flow out there. Man, 
I have to have it here before. You see, because I've got, like I said, the enemy, he wants to keep it closed off. He wants to lock the door. And it's okay if it, if the Holy Spirit begins to be poured out in here. It's okay if, it, if there's a rushing mighty wind in here. But don't let it go out. And so, my whole thought is this. There are lives in this city, in this community, in this county that are in chains, in bondage, hurting. And as long as I keep the gift of His Spirit locked up, say, well, you know, the Lord doesn't need me. No, He don't, but He's chosen you. He doesn't need any of us, but He chose us. He called us. And it's my choice whether I'm going to treat the power of His Spirit in my life as a secret or if I'm going to tell the world. The enemy wants you to keep it a secret. Don't stir the pot. Don't rock the boat. All those things. Just keep quiet. Do your thing. It's okay for you and your family. Just low key. On the DL, on the down low. Just, he's okay with that. He don't want there to be a ruckus. That's what happened in Jerusalem that day. As they begin, as that 120 begin to pour out into the streets, you begin to read in the book of Acts, as you read through there, they were like, man, what's going on? And Peter said, this is that. And they're like, what's that? This is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy, and your, your, your young men are going to dream dreams, and your old men are going to see visions, and, and it's going to be to your handmaidens, and it's going to be to the servants, and it's going to be to those who are afar off. And then he said, well, what do we have to do? And then in, in verse 38 of chapter 2, he says, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. I don't want to hold the gift of His Spirit from anybody. It's a gift that's given to all men. And He says, for this promise is unto you and to your children and to everyone that's afar off, even those that don't look like they, 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 they want it, even those that, that, that are all messed up and those that look like they're too far gone and those that, that their life is, is in shambles and those that have li- been living in chains. He said, it's for them. It's for them. It's for them. He said, but I'm going to pour it out in you first so that you can take it and you can let it flow out of you and into them. Can I give anybody the Holy Spirit? No, I can't. I can't beat it into them. I can't pray it into them. 
but I can just make it available. Say, hey, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Like Peter, listen. Listen up. Listen to what I'm saying. This promise is a gift. And it's to you. But I'm a Gentile. It's to you. But I'm an alcoholic. It's to you. But I've been in prison. It's to you. But I've been this. It's to you.